Well, good morning, church. How are we doing today? It's good to see everyone. Um, today, you get to actually share in a milestone with me. This is my first weekend ever preaching on a Sunday morning. So, yeah. So, thank you for sharing that with me. Of course, I'm Ben. I'm the ministries and young adult pastor here at Abundant Life. And I'm honored just to be able to spend this time with you. John and Kristen, they're going to be back this week as we kick off our XO Marriage Conference. If you haven't already, make sure you register today before you leave. I believe that registration's ending soon. But if you need to, use my name to get out of any of your plans this next weekend and just send the emails to Pastor Mike, okay? All right, now that we're clear on that, let's, uh, let's get into business today. Last week, Pastor Ryan talked about, he, called, he titled his message, My Story. He was talking about if we will give God the pen of our lives, he's going to write a far better story. And I would agree, wouldn't you? This week, I want to talk to you about the handoff. Or if I had a second working title, it would be that, ours, that my story impacts their story. My story impacts their story. Because I've never read a good story that didn't involve impacting the lives of others. Have you? I don't think that would be a very good story at all. So today, before we leave, before we go out, we get our Sunday brunch. Praise God for some Sunday brunch. We are going to, I want you to know this one thing, that your story does not stop with you. So in my 25 years on planet Earth, I have learned this one thing. Well, I've learned more than one thing, but the one thing that I have learned is that life is a lot like a race. Wouldn't you agree? So for us, we're constantly running around. I mean, you get up, you run to the gym, and then from there you head straight to work where you're running around, then you run home, you're fixing dinner, getting the kids ready or whatever, taking them to soccer practice, and then before you know it, you started it all over again. Um, but the question comes, you know, what race am I really running at the end of the day? And I remember a particular time I asked myself this question, I had the privilege for many years working for Chick-fil-A, and I got to manage one of the Chick-fil-A's in this area. It was an awesome experience. Who knew God could do so much through a chicken sandwich? But, yeah. Um, but I remember even at all the ups that we had, all the great things um, that I was seeing even God do in the business we were growing, I, I just remember sitting down in the office one day, and I, I was sitting at the at the ta uh, the desk, and I was closing down the store, and I just had to ask myself, "Am I running the right race?" And I remember at that moment, God came and He spoke a word into my spirit, and it, it changed everything for me. He said, "Ben, I didn't call you to grow a business; I called you to build the kingdom. I didn't call you to grow a business; I called you to build the kingdom." And see, at that moment, I had already received my call to ministry. I'd been through Bible college. And what I was waiting for was for uh, God to open the door. Claire and I, we were faithfully serving in this church, but we were waiting for the door to step into the, the position that we have today. But who knows that you can still serve God without a position, right? It's not about a position. It's about the, the posture of your heart. But I just remember God was saying that I have you right here for a particular purpose maybe even a particular per person or a problem. But who, who can tell me that 
before you can ever be the pastor of the church or before you can lead into that place of influence, you got to be the pastor in your workplace. You got to be the pastor in your home. God told me that I needed to be the pastor at Chick-fil-A before I was ever the pastor at the church. So today, what race are you running? Oftentimes we come back to that question, but I want us to look at Hebrews 12.1 today, where it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So we've already asked the question, am I running the right race? Now the question is, what does the race look like? And now I know I, had to, I just had you switch here, but we're going to go, follow with me. We're going to go to Matthew 28, 16 through 20. If you're in the app, it's going to be right there. Otherwise, we got it up here on the screen for you. And it says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Church, can I tell you that when Jesus shows up, there's going to be two people that are there. There's going to be those who worship and there's going to be those who doubt. And which one are you today? When Jesus shows up, are you going to be the one that's there worshiping? Or are you going to be the one doubting? And even if you are the worshiper, are you going to allow the doubters around you to inject their doubt into you? Next verse. Then, then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So to me, if I'm, I'm looking at this, I'm just looking at it on the surface, it, it seems like it's pretty simple. As a, as a Christian, all I got to do is I, I just got to slam dunk some people in some water, just feed them out a few Bible verses, and there we go. We got a, we got a, a Christ follower. Um, maybe you're offended because that's a gross oversimplification of the process. So is it okay if we go a little deeper this morning? All right, awesome. All right, so kicking it back, this passage is what's considered the Great Commission. Now, a commission is, by definition, it's, it's a matter or it's a task given by someone who has authority to someone else to act on their behalf. Let me say that again. A commission is a matter or a task that is given to someone else by someone who is in authority to act on their behalf. So here Jesus is giving his disciples, his followers, a mission. And the reason that it's great is not only is it Jesus' last words in the book of Matthew, but this is also the pivotal moment where Jesus takes the weight of his ministry and puts it on his disciples. It's at this moment that the ministry is now taken from him and his authority, he's given it away. And now it's on us today. So I want us to, I want us to take a look here at verse 19. It says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now to understand what's actually going on here, we need to go back to the beginning, not the beginning of this story, but the back beginning of the story, the story of God. And it started in the garden with Adam. You know, 
God breathed life into Adam, and when he did, he gave him dominion, or the other word you could put there is authority. He gave him authority over all the beasts of the field, the birds in the air, the fish in the sea. And with Eve, he said, now go and multiply. And all the, church in the, all the men in the church said, amen. At that point, right, we've been given authority. But here's the thing. Man didn't keep the authority. You see, they had one task. They had one thing not to do, and that was to not eat of the fruit. But what did we do? We went, we took, and we ate. And in that moment, the authority that we had, we handed down to Satan. Man lost his authority and was handed over. Fast forwarded a few thousand years, Jesus is on the scene. God comes down from heaven, wraps himself in flesh, and is carrying out his ministry on earth. And from there, he's led to the cross. As an innocent man, he came, wrapped himself not only in flesh, but then wrapped himself in our sins and went and died a sinner's death on the cross. Was, was buried in a borrowed grave and then three days later was risen again. Aren't you glad that he rose? That's right. But the Bible tells us that while he was in the grave, he went down to hell and took the keys back. The authority that was taken from man didn't stay there. He took it back, and as the resurrection, you know, the first man lost it, but the second man, Jesus, the final man, came, took the authority back, and is back on the scene like, I'm back, y'all. I'm back. And this is where it brings us to. He's resurrected, and he is about to ascend back into heaven. And he says, now, because I have paid the price. I grabbed the keys. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So therefore, because I have all authority, go and make disciples of all nations. And then he explains what this looks like. That's baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. So God has called us now to make disciples. If you have this faith, it's now time to pass it on. You know, are you running the race? But here's the thing about discipleship is it's a process. And in our minds, it's not like the westernized, industrialized process where, hey, let me just slap this thing on a conveyor belt and step one, step two, step three, step four. And at the end, you get this clean cut, nice looking Christian product. That's not what he's talking about here. For us to understand it, we have to put it back in its original context. And no better way of doing that than looking at Jesus. When Jesus was walking through the streets and he is gathering his squad, he, what he would say is he'd reach down and he said, follow me. Discipleship is not about necessarily you taking classes and doing these educational things. Those are great. They are great tools. But discipleship is about who are you following Today, who are you following? Because a disciple in its nature is a follower. So if you were a follower, then there's a teacher. Who's your teacher today? But going back to the fact that Jesus has all authority, he says, I have all authority. Remember, he's commissioned us, and now I give it to you. And now you're the teacher. And just like Paul said, he said, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. 
So for us, God has called us to make disciples. He's called us a teacher. And now we need to walk through the process with others. And this is messy. This isn't always fun. It's not always going to be good times. Um, Sometimes in the Great Commission, there can be great pain as we try to bring others through the mess of life. But here's the thing. It's going to be so much easier for you to do it if you don't see people as spiritual projects, but you see them as friends. Right? Because look at your garage. How many unfinished projects do we have in our garages? I mean... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> don't <laughs> clapping on that one okay but it's true it is so easy to give up on a project but when it's a friend that's a whole nother story it's easier to follow a friend through the mess than it is to, that someone who's just another notch on your belt because that doesn't serve anyone so we got to commit to the process with people. And of course, this is going to drive us type A people crazy. We love our processes. We love our checklists. But you know what? God's not a respecter of man, right? (laughs) He's doing it his way. We got to get behind the teacher. And so for us, as we are being there for people, we need to realize that it's not about being perfect. Because I think if it was about being perfect, that I know for a fact I would be eliminated from that I don't know many of us would meet that qualification, and if you do, I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to learn from you. But for us, it's not as much about being perfect as it is about being present. And I've experienced this in my own life, the power of what happens when someone will just be present. Don't ever underestimate the power of being present for somebody. So rewind maybe 10 years Um, you would never have thought that I would be standing right here on a stage. Actually, it would have been quite the opposite. I actually probably never thought 10 years ago that I would still be this side of the ground. But people didn't give up on me. I was that punk rock emo kid that, like, had the swoopy hair and was playing in the, the metal band. Like, yeah, dude. And so that was me. I was living for the mosh pit. But, um... (laughs) That's surreal. Um, But for me, I had some people who who didn't give up up on me. And my my dad's here. (laughs) Sorry to call you out here, Dad. But believe it or not, will you stand up? Because I I love you. (laughs) And he's just one of the ones that never gave up on me. And he might uh, get mad at me for this later. But he had hair before I was a teenager. (laughs) I love you, Dad. So if your teenager is going through this today, know that there's a hope because with, with God, all things are possible. What would happen in their lives if you were just present? Just be present in the moment with them. Now, I always credit one person um, for praying me in the heaven. And it's like a Tremor family reunion up in here, y'all. Uh, my Aunt Sandy's over here, so just wave. Um, <laughs> so my Aunt Sandy, if you don't have an Aunt Sandy, you got to get an Aunt Sandy in your life today. Because, believe it or not, um, I credit her with praying me into heaven. When I was about five or six years old, she took me to vacation Bible school for the first time, or VBS. And I remember it was in that moment that the power of God came into the room. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what that looked like. I, I didn't understand. I was like, oh, cool, like there's animals going on in an ark, sweet. Like, I didn't understand VBS. 
But I just, all I remember is that in that moment, I became conscious of a God. And, I, and God used that moment so dramatically through the rest of my life. And she stayed present with me. I remember she would take me to these movies when I was a, a teenager. And they competed on this, like, stupidity scale with, like, Napoleon Dynamite. I mean, for real, for her to sit through those with me, just to spend some time, it showed me the love of Jesus. So not only did she teach me about Jesus, but she showed me the love of God. If you do not have an Aunt Sandy, you got to get one today. So do not ever underestimate the power of being present. And there, it reminds me of a verse, uh, and this is one that I've really tried to model my ministry after. And it's 1 Thessalonians 2.8. It's really become more of a life verse for me. And it says, so we cared for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. It's, did you catch that? Not only sharing the gospel, but sharing their lives. Committing through the process with someone. Because at the end, we can teach people about Jesus. But if the, you might be the only Bible that they ever get to see. You might be the only Bible that they ever read. Be Jesus for those people. And this is why it's so important for us as Christians to run our race. We got to run our race. Now, I've asked Ryan to come up here and help me out with this. Let's clap for Ryan. Ooh, bro, your beard looks so good. That's nice. All right, so I'll take the baton here. And so... Uh, if we can throw Hebrews 12, 1 back up. Now, the baton. Yes. I like that. Hebrews 12, 1. The baton is going to represent faith. And I'm going to represent one generation. And Ryan represents the next. Now, can you all play along with us now? All right, he's got it. First service, we had to work on it a little bit. But your form's looking good, bro. You've been running a little while now. Okay, and now you guys get to be the heroes. Is that okay? All right, so you all are the great cloud of witnesses. And what the great cloud of witnesses are, are those who've gone before in the faith. They, their lives serve as an encouragement and to those who are running and also to a testimony of Jesus. So you guys get to be them. So I give you the good part. So I'm gonna represent one generation um, now, every, every believer is in the race. If you're a believer, you have a baton today. But here's the thing. You might be at the starting line, but not every believer has started running, right? Are you running today, church? So we're going to get ready. So it is so important. We talk about running our race. We need to get this baton to the next generation. So play that funky music again. All right church we start running we're going we're doing our thing yeah we gotta get it along but here's the problem okay that was fun sometimes when we start running our race it's looking a little awkward right you know we're running our stride ain't real good pretty flimsy in the knees now but the longer we run, the better we get. 
If you're not running today, just start running because you're going to get a lot better. But here's the thing. You start running. I'm reading the Bible. I love this music. I'm praying. Watch out, devil. And I'm spending some time with believers. And then we get to the exchange zone. And here's where the problem comes. Thank you. Because in the exchange, there's two problems. There's the problem of me and there's the problem of him. You see, with me, I'm the previous generation. I'm the generation running right now. And there's a problem that comes in the exchange zone because we begin to ask the question, if I hand this thing off, what race is left for me? If I hand this thing off, do I still have a place in the church? If I hand this thing off, is my race over? But can I tell you today, when you get to the exchange zone, your race isn't ending. You're only helping someone else's begin. Your race isn't ending. You're helping someone else's begin. Because here's the thing. This generation is dying to know what you know. They're dying to know. Both metaphorically, but also physically are dying to know what you know. So today, I don't care if you are 80 or you're 118 if you still have breath in your lung, God still has a purpose for you this morning, church. We need you now more than ever. We need the spiritual fathers and the spiritual mothers to come step around these generations, the generations that are running and the generations that's going to come, because we need to know what you know. But then we come back to the exchange zone. And now the problem is with him. First it was, you know, am I going to hand this thing off? And now it's, is he going to take it? But here's the thing. Here's the problem. You're such a good sport. Um, here's the issue. Is that I've heard, Pastor Ben, that's not my color. Or here's a good one. That's too traditional. Or here's my favorite one. But that, wouldn't that hurt my Instagram following? Bro, you got like 50 people anyways. It doesn't matter. You ain't even how much worse you can do. And if that's you, I'm sorry. But, but that's the thing. And in this exchange zone, next generation, we need you to grab the baton. Because this is not a luxury that we have time for. Because when it comes back around... It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about getting this thing to the end. It's not about you today. I've said it. Because it's all about Jesus. And here's the thing. Jesus died to give you and I a chance. What are you doing to give someone else theirs? I'll say it again. Jesus died to give you and I a chance. What are you willing to give up? to give someone else theirs. Because here's the thing, young adults, kids, youth, you gotta start running your race. Because if you don't start running your race now, you could disqualify the next generation. There's another generation that's waiting for you to take the baton. It, it doesn't, you can't wait. It can't wait. The generations before us have waited. Here's the gross statistic. Millennials are the largest generation in human history. But here's the thing. 
is that currently the millennials and moving forward, it's still a continuing trend that 33%, 33% of people are growing up without their fathers in the home today. What would happen if this generation had caught it? You got to run your race because we got to stop that, right? So now we get to the exchange and it's time for you to continue your race. You're going to start just like the others, but what's important is that this generation, you're going to keep running. You're starting your race. You got your form. And as you know, you don't stop immediately. I'm helping him along. But then the great cloud of witnesses serve as a testimony that God is going to keep this thing going. Let's give it up for Ryan. Thank you. So this, um, the fact of, of passing the baton or, you know, continuing to ask the question, am I running the right race? It hit way, way, way too close to home uh, about two weeks ago. You see, my, my cousin Jake and I, uh, we grew up in uh, more than, he was more than a cousin to me. He was more like a big brother. And man, this guy was just so influential, both for the good and the bad. One thing I always learned from him is that if you put your head down and you run, and you just, you just run, that you're gonna, you're gonna make some room, and more than likely, you're gonna run af- after what your heart was set on. But here's the thing, if you don't run the race marked out for you, if you're keeping your head down, you're not keeping your eyes on Jesus, you might not like where you end up. You might not like where that race ends. And unfortunately, unfortunately for Jake, uh, a few, few Wednesdays ago, uh, we had found him passed away. 30 years old, had so much life ahead of him, left behind his, his son. And I think probably the hardest part of it was um, yesterday I had to go preach his funeral. And at that point, you, you start asking all these questions. What more could I have done? Could I have just gotten the message of Jesus to him one more time? You know, could I have just taken him out to eat? What, what could I have done? What could I have done to notice this sooner? And that's not always a fair question to ask of ourselves. Because we can help pass the baton, but the other person's got to take it, right? But... But I, I just, I came back to this thought. I'm just like, God, what, what could I have done? And what I felt God was saying to me was just revitalizing in me. You know, you got to seek after the lost. What are you doing to be present with those who are around you? Nothing's going to bring Jake back now, but you could save maybe 10 or 15 more Jakes. Church, just go with me here. What would it look like if the church started running its race? Church, what would it look like if the church was running its race? We live in a community where 50% or more say that they're either irreligious or that they are atheistic. Church, I see that if we would start running our race, I see that this community would turn to him because he's the answer. 
Church, I see that if we would start running our race, that more fathers would be tucking their kids in at night, that they'd be growing up with the influence of a dad. Church, if we would start running our race, I see that less parents would be burying their children from overdose. Church, what will you do to run your race? Because Jesus died to give you and I a chance. What are we today willing to give up, to give one to the next generation, to give one to the neighbor beside us? You see, it doesn't matter where you started today. It doesn't matter how well you're running the race right now, but there's a future ahead of you. And there's others that are counting on you because your story doesn't stop with you. It was never about you, it's all about him. It's not about you, I'll say it again, it's not about you, it's all about him. Church, I see that if we would just start running our race, everything could change. In a moment, everything would change. So what are you willing to do today to run your race, to be present in the moment? We live in a society where that is the rarest commodity is someone's time. What will you do to give someone your time? I know this is a tough word. I love you, church. But for too long, we've played church. You know, it's nice to come in and drink our coffee, but, you know, I would, I would rather forego that than, you know, have to bury another loved one. Church, that, that is, is probably one of the hardest things that you'll ever do. Many of you probably had to do it. But church, I believe that if we'll start running our race, when we do, it'll be with joy and not with sorrow. It would be with shouts of gladness rather than grief. And as we wind this time down today, I want you to ask yourself, am I running my race? What can I do to impact my community? Because at the end, that's what we're held accountable to. And I want it said of my life, and I hope you do as well, that at the end of this thing, I can say just like Paul said, he said, I fought the good fight. Man, I ran the race and I kept the faith. You see it? You see it? It's keep going. It's in the next generation. I'm in the cloud of witnesses and I can see that thing keep going because church, we gotta get it to the finish line. We gotta get it to the finish line. Run your race. Will you pray with me this morning as we wind things down? Jesus, God, we thank you. God, thank you that you are the author, the perfecter of our faith. God, thank you that even in your word, if we had gone just a couple verses further, it says that you are the aim of our run. God, let us set our eyes on you today. Let, our, let us set ourselves on you today, God, that we might run the race marked out for us. Because we know every step of the way that you're there, your word said it, and I will be with you even to the very end of the age. 
Let us not grow weary in well-doing, God. Jesus, this morning we thank you, we praise you. We just ask that you show up in our community. Change these statistics, God. Let us see the lives changed. Jesus, we thank you. We praise you this morning. It's your name we pray. Amen. Church, this passage that we talked through today, it was written to a church that had grown weary. They were written to a church that had grown weary in running their race. I encourage you, don't grow weary. Our race is just beginning, church. The race is just beginning. And if you will just keep your eyes focused, you keep running, you're gonna be amazed at the end to see what God has done. So before you leave today, you know, I've talked about mentors, I've talked about teachers. If you were here today and, and you said, I've never had that, I've never had anyone to really come alongside me, first I would encourage you, start running anyways. Start running anyways. But secondly, we have some amazing mentors here at Abundant Life Church. We have our lavish sisterhood mentors and we have our warrior brotherhood mentors. And I would trust these people with not only my life, but with my wife. And they, they are absolutely amazing. Stop by, they're, they're waiting out there for you. They would love to talk with you. They don't have all the answers, but once again, it's follow me as I follow Christ. They're willing to walk with you in that journey. And so you can sign up through the MyLC mobile app and they can help you walk through all that there. But church, as we leave this place, I don't believe God would have given me this message. I don't believe that he would have challenged our hearts today like this. If he didn't already have someone on your mind, who's that person? Who's the person on your mind? And what I would say is, how can you go this week and just start a connection with him? Create a relationship. How can you be present for that one person that God is putting on your mind right now? So church, thank you, love you. And be safe today as you head out. And pray that the eagles smack a Tom baby. Yes. All right, church, thank you. You have a great week, and we'll see you back next week. Be blessed.